0: Abba Yahweh, again you bless me with breath. Gracefully, I walk this face of this plane of existence because of your grace and your faithfulness to me, Father God. You're blessing me. Your mercies I see every single day from morning unto morning, Father God. Thank you for the opportunity to be your conduit to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom with brothers and sisters. And whoever will listen, Father God, whoever will lend an ear, thank you for the opportunity. Aba Yahweh, Yeshua, Amman, Paraklitos, Amman. All are praiseworthy. So, brothers and sisters, i um, share some things here in the relevance of the Bible. People, you know, they just... It seems to drive me a little bit. I have to pray about that. But it's the declaration by so many naysayers and so many people. And I've even heard it within, unfortunately, within the, what they claim to be a part of the body of Christ. But when they make claims and they want to step into compromise, stepping aside in compromise, and be apologetic for the word of God... And be apologetic for making truthful statements that come out of the word of God. That is cowardice. In any way you look at it. And yeah, I might get challenged. And there might be those that get their knickers in a twist and become offended by what I say. But remember this. I don't care. What I care about is that the truth is shared and that truth comes from God. And the Bible is so relevant. It's so full of relevance. All you have to do is read it. Have your spiritual ears open, spiritual eyes open to see and understand the word and guidance from the Holy Spirit. It's all true. There is nothing that needs to be changed. And they forget that you go to the book of Revelation, the very back, and a lot of people, I think, misinterpret this writing that John put and he finished off and let me flip back there right quickly and I'll read that last portion Um, sorry brothers and sisters, sorry Um, but here's the deal people read and they misinterpret things that are said, this is why you need to this is why you need to pray about it and why you need to ask about it in The final book of the Bible, chapter 22 and verse 19. I'm going to go to 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of this prophecy of this book. If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part of the book of life and out of the holy city and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifies these things (laughs) says, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So they're thinking that He's talking specifically about the book of Revelation, which does deal a lot and speak a lot about the plagues and things that are going to happen. But my perspective is much broader than that. It's the entire book, this entire instruction manual, this entire book of the word of God, the entire Bible. There are people that say that Oh, the Old Testament is all the passage. Jesus Christ came, he died, and he came, and and, uh, the veil was rent too, and now they don't even... There are those, brothers and sisters, I tell you, I've seen it, I've witnessed it, I've heard it. They don't even read the Old Testament scriptures. They don't even read that portion of the Bible to say, what's the point? Jesus Christ came. The Old Testament is... Irrelevant passé has become cliche or whatever other fancy-schmancy word they want to use. So they don't read it. And just like with the Sanhedrin, remember that's the collective body. It is a collective body of Pharisees and Sadducees. And I wrote this information down regarding them, so I let me find it quite quickly, hopefully quickly. Um, but there were two portions of that body. You had Sadducees and Pharisees, and you had those that were believing just in the Old Testament or the written law. That's all they believed in. Those were the Sadducees. And that's all they believed in, was the written law. They were were, uh, embedded in the written law. And then you had the Pharisees, which they tended to take the whole thing and they believed that you were able to interpret the word and that that things didn't have to be so rigid. Well, there was a problem between the two. And you had had those that sat in the seat of judging between the two so that they wouldn't get in fisticuffs because let me tell you, brothers and sisters, you read some of the words of the bible and you uh, when it talks about them and they they were ready to go to battle against each other because of disagreements about what should be done with Jesus Christ but in the end ultimately that's they just came together and they all ganged up on Jesus and they didn't like the Herodians who were the followers of Herod and his elite forces who were and power over them at the time, but they set that aside so that they could join with them and team up on Jesus. Seems kind of, I find it kind of interesting where you have all these folks are at odds with each other. They don't want to talk with each other, but their common goal was the destruction of Jesus Christ and his ultimate death. Why? Because he came to speak the gospel of God, his father. He taught in parabolic speech, which he got from his father. He shared with his father, and he brought that with him. If you read through the Old Testament, you will see that God spoke in parabolic speech to many of his prophets, and when he spoke openly, he spoke in parables. And when Jesus Christ talked to the Sanhedrin whenever he was called in front of them and he spoke to them and he taught in parables and he taught in parables to the disciples and his followers and the reason for that, I firmly believe, and it's going to be hard-pressed for somebody to try to change my mind on this one, that he did that in order to get those who would listen to him to lean in and say, tell me what that means. Or they lean in and they say, say that again. Say it again. And sometimes, if you don't understand something, when we're talking with others today, you say, What? Say that again? And then they repeat it and they say, Oh, I got it. The same reason that Jesus taught that way, lean in and ask, lean in and get clarification. And you go back to the Old Testament when God was engaged with some of his uh, prophets and his followers and and he was speaking to them and and then they would <laughs> they'd be repetitive to get him to do Gideon's a fine example of that he did it a little differently though he was kind of uh, God never lost his patience and crushed him under his thumb though he just he continued to go and Gideon was okay. God one last time and then that last time became another last time and another last time I think there were 10, 12 instances where he kept coming back to God and he just wanted to be sure but the thing with Gideon is that you have to understand as it is with many of us is that we try to find excuses for not doing and you remember ultimately that Gideon started out with what was it 12,000 men able-bodied fighting men and God took them down to the stream side and whittled that down to 3,000. And ultimately he went up against uh, an army that was four, five, six times greater than what he had and God was with him and took him out through Gideon and his men. Brothers and sisters, do we not do that very same thing? Yes, we do. And and I love this. My uh God is so good to me. I am so undeserving of his grace. But that's why it's grace, and that's why God is love. God doesn't love us just because it's the right thing to do. The Bible tells us repeatedly that God is is love. God is love. He doesn't treat us gracefully because it's the right thing to do. He treats us gracefully because he loves us. He did not want to destroy this world again, which is why Jesus Christ came. He he had repented. He felt if it's possible to wrap your finite mind around this, as I found it difficult and prayed through this, but God God felt hurt in his heart when he repented of having created the earth and seeing how vengeful and hateful and derisive we had become. And the flood came, and then Sodom and Gomorrah, and, and you remember that There was a little contrition between Lot and he was saying, what if, you know, but what if, what if, you know, if I can find one, if I can find just, and if I can, you know, and kept going on and, you know, and, and uh, there's a little odd back and forth. And finally the angel just came and said, you know, Hey, it's time to go get out, get out now. Don't look back. Listen to what I'm telling you. Do not look back. But of course, Lot's wife Sarah was turned into a pillar of salt. Why? Because she looked back. When the Lord comes, we cannot look back. I can't come back and and grab things that I want to take with me. It's all got to just say bye bye, and leave it. We have to be able to do that. But we also have to understand that that in our minds, in our mind's eye, what we see here. Is so far different, which is why we have to get above this thing. We have to quit trying to pre-plan everything. What am I going to do when he comes? I'm going to have this packed. And you have, a, you have a, what we called in the military and, and certain ops, we used to have what we called a go bag. It was always ready to what? To go. Packed and set aside, different from everything else that was there, and it was just ready to go. And when you got the word to go, that's the bag you took, the go bag, and it was ready for everything. So, brothers and sisters, we don't have a go bag. So, when the trumpet sounds and the Lord comes and says, okay, let's go, you don't get to run back in the closet and grab your to-go bag. You don't get one. You just go. Why? Because God will provide everything that you need the things in the to-go bag are things that we want to make sure that we have and you know militarily speaking things that you wanted to have and things that you try to pre-plan for and, and if this happened if that happened and this is what we do when God created us he gave us as opposed to other animals and I'm not sure that I Totally agree with this person's thinking on this because I've watched animals, I've watched other creatures and other creations that God has created, and this other person said that we are the only ones that God created that have the what um, they called term forethought, or being able to suppose what would happen futuristically. So we want to prepare this way, that way, this way, and that way. Just like uh, the forethought of the Cold War and the nuclear holocaust, so everybody was building bomb shelters in the 50s and this and that and the other thing. But I tell you now, brothers and sisters, that was never going to happen because those people didn't have information. They didn't have real knowledge. They went by hearsay and they went by panic, which is exactly what's going on now. And there are countries that thrive on that and they desire that and it works for them because it gets the results that they want to have. So brothers and sisters, we have that capability to go out there, but we're, we the Bible tells us not to go there because tomorrow does not belong to us. And when we go out there, we tend to get too far out. We try to outstep God and we try to pre-plan what's coming on our thinking and our thoughts and what we perceive, but it's not ours to see. We're not to go back in the past and dig up what we left. That's what the enemy desires us to do and then gets us wrapped up in self-condemnation, discouragement, and gets us ultimately to the point of giving up. I've been there, brothers and sisters. I've shared it with you before. I was to the point I was going to drive off the Oakland Bay Bridge. I had an 18 wheeler and it was loaded. And at that night, there was no traffic. I could have easily, there's a little tiny curb in the middle of the doggone bridge, which is absolutely silly because what was it going to stop? It definitely wasn't going to stop me. I had 13 gears to shift through. And By the time I and I mean I was planning this all the way up of the footing and everything, and when I got up to where I was, where this Holy Spirit grabbed on and whispered in my ear, I mean I was I was going to be in gear and I was going to go over the side, and there was ultimately no way that the railing was going to hold that vehicle back. Fully loaded, the maximum load up. Capacity is 82,000 pounds. That's maximum you can take anywhere across the United States. And you have to be able to, uh, you have a fifth wheel slide and you have a rear wheel slide. And you can move those so that the weight is balanced on all the axles. And you have to have the knowledge and be able to do that. I wasn't quite at maximum load, but I had a lot on there. I think it was 78,000 pounds. There was no way that that little tubular steel railing was going to hold me back. And my intention was, and then the spirit whispered in my ear, said, what about your grandchildren? My own children weren't even out of elementary school. Stop me. It did, but this is, this is what God is with. We try to pre-plan everything out ahead in the future. And what it tends to do is take us into darkness. And then if you you load up too much stuff, then you get in a panic. Man, how am I going to get that? Then then that starts. You get it all planned and it's all good. You think you're so smart. You think you're so got it all together. And then you get so much done. You sit back and you look at this calendar that you've drawn out on, and you say, "Oh my gosh, what was I thinking? How am I going to get all of that done? I can't get." That. And then you start going through and you start Xing things out. Then you start getting all agitated. You start getting in this mindful ruckus going on back and forth in your head and you can't get it all accomplished. Then you become more agitated because you're not going to get it all done. Oh, for crying out loud, quit going out there. It's okay, but you have to remember that you have to walk in companionship. And I love this because brothers and sisters, I'm telling you that the enemy is attacking and he attacks hard, especially when a person is walking closer to God and that makes the enemy nervous. Thank you, Father God, for making the enemy nervous and having these issues coming that are coming, but that I don't lose sight. Thank you, Father. And this is what we have to do, brothers and sisters. We have to be able to do that. We know that it's that they're it's troublesome. It's tumultuous, it's agitating, and sometimes it's even hurtful. But in all of that, we have to seek God's companionship. He's promised he will be with us, whithersoever we go. That means anything we go through, anything that's going on, he is with us. And we have to continually look for that, for his comfort and his companionship, because he will be with us. And he said, because I am always by your side. And when we're in the midst of something, all we have to do is just look over and it's just kind of a, if you've ever been with a companion or or one of your true friends, and as I've said, many people use the term friendship very loosely, but if you've been ever walking with a true friend, you you can walk and you don't have to say anything to each other you can walk and just look and enjoy things around and then you kind of look over your shoulder and you see that your friend is looking back at you, you just kind of and then you smile just kind of a knowing smile but it's just kind of a <clears throat> this thing because they're with you and and you're with them and they appreciate that when we do that with God there's that connection that that uh electrical static that that God provides and he's And God all around him all the time. And you just walk along and you kind of glance spiritually at God's direction. Really, wherever we look, he's there. Because we look to the left, he's there. Look to the right, he's there. He can look uh, straight ahead, he's there. All around, he's there. But it's best that you look up and take your eyes briefly off of the schmuck that's going on around and all this yutz that's around and we see his brightness and we can and it connects us with God and and we see him and whenever we look to him and we get his help he gives it to us freely and willingly and and gracefully and graciously and out of his compassion and his love first remember God is love And he knows that we need him. And and as I said, there is no condemnation that ever comes from God. He doesn't point his finger at you when you're doing that. And he says, you know what? You're so weak. What's your problem? Blah, 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 blah. God doesn't do that. That's the enemy's forte. Okay, that's what the enemy does. He does this. He, He reminds you what a failure you are. But remember this, your failings in God's eyes and in God's presence do not make you a failure. It just means you fell down. And don't count the many times that you fall because you're gonna continually fall. You're gonna fall all your life. How many times are you gonna get up, dust off, and say, God, I'm ready to go again. Help me understand what I was supposed to learn. You were trying to teach me something. Let's go, let's keep going. And then you keep going. Don't fall down, put your head down, throw your hands up and say, I can't keep doing this. I can't do it. That's what the enemy wants you to do. That's what the devil wants you to do. That's why he keeps pressing his minions at you. And the more and harder he comes at you, that's because something is going on in your life that you're doing. (coughs) Pardon me, brothers, sisters. Sorry about that. Is that he sees and it bothers him. The enemy isn't going to attack somebody that he's already got. Somebody that he's already sure of, somebody that's already given up, somebody that's already walked away from God, somebody that's left the church, somebody that just totally doesn't care about anybody else, anything else, and and least of all about God and faith, he's already got them. So he's, he doesn't care about them and he doesn't care about you anyway. So all the promises that are made that come from the enemy are empty promises. There is no fruit there. It may seem like you got temporarily, but you are going to ultimately lose that. And it's all temporal. It's only a, it's a bribe. And many people fall to that. So if we look and we seek God in everything, even, you know, and I have, I fail in this sometimes and I have to ask for God, even in the littlest things, the littlest things, I think that it's so small that it, it's too much. I, I can't possibly ask. You know what I have learned and working on my motorcycle and things that go on, even the littlest thing, this little tiny, tiny screw in the repair that I was making the other night. God's an awesome motorcycle mechanic. And you know what? The thing of it is, electrician, plumber, motorcycle mechanic, automobile mechanic, boat repair, motor repair, everything he's has going on. It's not too small why because not only is he sovereign god but he is our good good father he likes it when his children come and say god i can't get this not i'm getting frustrated can guide me in this and just take a breath pause and it'll be okay it'll be okay god does these things And my downfall is that I think that it's so small and it's too trivial for God. But it's not too small. Even in the smallest matters, as well as the larger one, that we keep talking to him and it helps build our spirit, our spirituality with God. It helps to build that. It keeps that going. It keeps the communication open between us. It's important, brothers and sisters, even the smallest things. And when we need comfort, he puts his arms around us. Remember, I shared that with you. When we've fallen down and we left as in the prodigal son, what's he do? He takes us in. He grabs us. He pulls us in and gives us a God-sized bear hug. And then he puts us back at arm's distance. He bends down and he gives us a kiss on our neck. And he looks us right in the eye says, I love you. And he's got that little sideways smile. He says, I love you. I've always loved you. I always will love you. And remember that he does this all the time. And and that in that, that we should reach out to others to do the same thing. I know that I have found that, that in my share time and morning time, that it says that we receive doubly blessed, we're doubly blessed or receive double blessings because... Not only are we reaching out with somebody, but God blesses us through doing that thing. And and I know that when I share the word with you, brothers and sisters, and, and I, I feel <laughs> not only is God allowing me to be his conduit and share the treasures out of his treasury, but reaching out and being able to share the word and speak the truth and offer the opportunity, as I've said, this is the gospel of Jesus Christ, is the ultimate Sacrifices made by him, and that you have the opportunity, all you have to do is accept and say, "I believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. I believe in God, I want to have faith in God and the holy Spirit to to move and and be with me and guide me, and we have to focus on that, and not this white noise interference. remember i've shared with you white noise that 's all it is, all that the devil offers out there. In between is to draw our focus away from what's going on and these little small things that are going on and the, and the big things that go on and this pre-planning and all these. This is white noise. White noise is just a distraction. When it comes from the enemy, Satan, the devil, it's a distraction. It's to keep us off our focus, to draw our focus, to draw our attention. That's what that's all about. And remember that when we do the things that we're called to do that, that we and through sharing it, we also draw from blessing I know that when I'm able to reach out, the Holy Spirit grabs me when i'm I'm not doing as I should and about, and I'm repentant for it, because trust me in in my line of work and any customer service actually it's very hard to be. <laughs> it's very hard to be gracious, especially when there's sometimes there's individuals that just come at you so hard. And that is all that they are are uh, meant for. And uh, don't get your knickers in a twist about this, but they're hell-bent on fury. That's an old saying, and that it doesn't matter whatever you do in kindness. They are bound and determined that they're going to be agitated, offended, aggressive, demonstrative in a negative way. But we still have to be comforting to them. We still have to be gracious to them. And when you do that thing, the Bible tells us, and this is, this is my shortcoming, and sometimes I tip the, bo- the jar over, or the, uh, the bowl over, but you heap coals upon their heads. This comes from an old, in in olden time Egypt, that what they used to do when you had somebody that offended someone or... Did something very egregious to others. They had to walk around with a a big uh, bowl or a pot. It was, uh, I believe, it was saying what I was reading. It was copper. A copper is a great conductor of electricity and heat. So they had to walk around and they had to carry this on their head until the regional leader said, "Okay, that's enough." He did, but in they're walking around and doing all this. People saw that the coals were smoldering, and they probably saw that their hair was smoking. Probably why their hairdress looked the way they did, because they wore a lot of wigs. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Um, but you think that that heat conduction, their, their hair was probably smoldering, or at least people could smell it. And they knew that this person had done something really bad that they shouldn't have done, and they were being publicly humiliated in what they had done. So when you are gracious, kind, compassionate, and you just overflow that on these people that are being really pretty nasty and vile, they are shown to be the asses. Speaking of the four-legged kind, which are, so all that noise and everything that comes out of their mouth, is just like the brain of a donkey. And they're shown to be that big-eared, Thing people, you know, however you want to put it. The terminology is shown to be a jackass or, or however you want to put that. Remember, brothers and sisters, I didn't go to a theological college on the face of this planet and have a degree that's signed by somebody else. So my speech might be a little more flat and not quite as eloquent as others. But I'm going to tell you exactly how it is. I'm going to tell you straight. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to try to hide it in pots of flowers. I'm going to tell you straight up. And that's exactly how these people come at you. They come with that. And, and then it just turns into the brain donkey. And they're revealed to their true nature by what? By you heaping the coals on their head. And you don't have to physically do that. The Holy Spirit, when you shoot out that bullet prayer to the Holy Spirit, and you say, wow, this is really hard. Be with me. Just like that. Just short, quick. Or guard my tongue, guide my steps, quick, fast, pull the trigger, shoot it off, the Holy Spirit will respond. Excuse me, this is God, the creator of the entire universe, this is his Holy Spirit. You think that that little quick short prayer is not gonna be received? Brothers and sisters, it is, and he will respond, and they will be shown to be the true nature and what they are. I have had it happen. Others have gotten around, and they got on the end of it. I didn't have to say anything. They stepped up in my defense and got on the person for being the way that they were and saying, hey, how would you like it? He's just trying to be helpful. He's just doing the right thing, man, and just sit down and be quiet. Well, they didn't say be quiet. They said sit down and shut up. And you know what? The true nature was revealed. I didn't have to do anything. I just sat back and did my job. But God's constant companionship, he is always with us. No matter what we lose, no matter what we go through, no matter how hard it's taught. And I love this thing here. And (coughs) pardon me, I have to... (coughs) going to take a sip of, I apologize, but I'm going to go through, and I I love the book of Psalms, something about Psalms that just draws me, I think it's because, I don't know, I think, I guess I'm, I'm a lot like David, David, Peter, I don't know. I, I just see that that characteristic of, of David was that David went through a lot of things. He started out as a young man. His brothers hated him and they thought that he was favored and then they picked on him all the time. And when uh, he was getting ready, when they went off to, to fight and they had to face Goliath and the Philistines and all that stuff. And then David showed up. He, he brought food for them. And they started, what was the first thing they started doing? They started to ridicule him. They started to make fun of him. They started to, you know, he was not a great Of great stature. He wasn't big and strong like his brothers. He was kind of small. A nice looking young man, but just a teenager. They made fun of him. They pushed him aside. And he came, and nobody would go face this giant. His brothers wouldn't even go face the giant. And when David volunteered to go do so, what was the first thing that came out of their yaps? They started making fun of him, just like others did. And then they all followed suit and they all started to ridicule him. And David said, hey, is there no one here? I'll go. God is with me. I'm going to go stand up. This man is not only making fun of my country and my people, he's making fun of my God. That is way too much. And so Saul said, hey, okay, take my armor, take my shield. And David, this is too big. I can't carry it. He threw it all away. What did David do? He went out to meet Goliath as the shepherd that he was. Remember, David was a shepherd. And in striding out to meet Goliath, he picked up stones. God put the stones in his hands, the ones that he wanted David to use. And David put them in his pouch and then he ran out to meet Goliath and Goliath was laughing and making fun of him still until he got smacked right above the top of the nose, right where it comes, and some people say right between the eyes and it is kind of between the eyes, right there above the nose, and it struck him and it went deep. And it knocked this giant down, nine feet tall, something like that. I could imagine that as he was out in front of the Philistines, that when he hit the ground, they probably felt the vibration, I'm guessing, and it stepped him back. And then David ran and took Goliath's own sword and cut his head off. And then the Israelites, including David's brothers, all of a sudden they were filled with bravery. And they came and they charged the Philistines and Philistines ran. And they ran. Because they had this big old giant, nobody would come and fight them. So then they got kind of brave. They're just like any bully boy or, or any bully girl that is in the world. They're that way because they have their entourage and they got to show out. So bullies are that way. But once you take the bully out, and this is what that pot of, hot coals would do, it showed these other people around that this person had done something. But I I love the thing that that David, because David is, is real to a lot of things, and real to me because everything that he went through, he still turned back to God. He fell, he fell down, but he got up, and he kept going back to God because he knew and he realized and he wrote these poems and songs that he wrote to God, And this is real for me because David is relative to everyone today. David had a lot of stuff going on in his head. When you read through the Psalms, you see that a lot of these things were in David's mindset. They were in his thought process through the day. But he always turned back to God. And people point out, well, he did this and he did that. Well, yeah, you can always blame, point your finger and blame. God didn't do any of that. David was remorseful and he felt badly. And trust me in this, he even sent one of his prophets to to, to, (laughs) David's council. Came right up to him. It's the parabolic story that the angel of God sent to Nathan. And he told David about the man... And the sheep, remember the story? It's in the book of Psalms. And David said, bring me that man, I'll handle this. Well, guess what, David, that was you. And then David was so filled with remorse. But remember this, brothers and sisters, this process through the book of Psalms, David is about that. Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make or boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. O oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened and their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved his, him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusteth in him. God's always around us. Our, he's got angels that are around us to protect us, to keep with us. I was so blessed by being allowed to see mine one night, and I've shared this with you, brothers and sisters, I was allowed like the, when the city of uh, Tibba, they were surrounded, Elijah had his protege, was so fearful, and he said, Lord, give him the sight that you've given to me. Now see, the prophet could see this happening all the time, because God gave him that spiritual sight and allowed that to be seen, and he knew that all the time but here's the thing that I've shared with you before, that if we were allowed to have that sight and see what was going on around us at all the time, it's <laughs> it's more horrific than any sci-fi movie that Hippocratwood could possibly produce. And I call it Hippocratwood because it's so full of that. Vile hypocrisy. But brothers and sisters, let me tell you, God protects us by not allowing us to see that. There is warfare, spiritual warfare that goes on. Why do you think that God makes us armor? Why do you think that the Bible says that we are to have that on all the time? And here's the thing that many people think, oh, well, that's not my battle. That's, uh, you know, God's going to handle this, in that? And so then they want to sit back in their comfortable chair and they want to sit back and not do anything. The Bible tells us that we are in this, whether you like it or you don't like it. And if you just resign yourself to sit back in the comfort zone, pull back the lever on the recliner and sit there, then you know what? The devil's got you and he's gonna leave you alone, and he's not gonna pester you, because why? Because you are just doing exactly what he wants you to do. You're not doing what God's called you to do, you're doing what the devil wants you to do. Be complacent, be fruitless, be slothful, be lazy, and don't be about God's business. And if you're offended by what I'm saying, well, then you ought to look in the mirror and you talk to the Holy Spirit and talk to yourself and do some deep self-examination. If your knickers gotten a twist and it's making you squirm in the chair, then you know what? So be it. I don't know you. How am I going to point my finger and say, it's you, it's you, it's you, it's you? I can't. I'm just speaking the truth. And if you're uncomfortable by it, then you need to talk to the Holy Spirit and to God about that or if you're offended to the point, then just don't listen to me anymore, I don't care. I'm doing my father's business and I'm speaking truth. I've already shared how much I care about whether you're offended or not offended. I am not gonna step down in cowardice, I'm not gonna step aside and compromise and apologize for speaking the truth. And here's the other thing, God doesn't need me to defend him. I just speak the truth, I speak what's in the word. I speak what he shows me and what he allows me to say, He's already said it's good and he knows it's truth. He knows that I will share truth, only truth. I'm not going to dress this up and make it to get me a pat on the back, a pat on the head and say, oh man, that's just great, 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 great. It's not about that. It's about you listening, hearing with spiritual ears, opening your eyes and looking and seeking the truth with spiritual eyesight in the word of God and be that way. That's all this is about, brothers and sisters, to give you the opportunity to say, "Yes, I believe. Yes, I want to go to heaven, and I'll have faith in you, God." And remember, when when in Psalm thirty-four, when when David's talking about fear, we're talking about auspicious fear. Now, granted, God could just point His finger and you're gone, and it'd be done. But that don't be fearful. See, fearfulness. It drives you to react and do things differently and all that. That's not what God is about. He wants you to have an auspicious fear of him. Auspiciously means that we know that he is sovereign God and he has all these things and, and it's just like, you look at them, when I look at the thunderstorms and I see the lightning and thunder, you know, I feel badly because my, my two little companions, my, my little emotional support dogs when I'm gone at work and I'm not with them, they get upset and it bothers them because you have barometric pressure and it affects animals differently there and then the thunder and lightning and they get trembling. And when, when I'm in bed at night and that happens, they get really as close to me as they possibly can. Honestly, to the point with my little guy, he's sometimes annoyed, but he just, all he's trying to do is get as close to me as possible. So when things like that happen out there, That's exactly what we should be doing with God, getting as close as possible. And I forget sometimes to do that very thing that I'm sharing with you. So it's not like I do everything exactly. I'm not perfect. God doesn't expect perfection from any of us. He just wants us to keep stepping forward. And another one of David's poems that I love is really awesome. Psalms 105, verse 2. or I'll just go ahead and read from the beginning. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Uh, Excuse me. This is what Jesus was talking about. This is what the disciples were supposed to do. And here David's talking about it in the Old Testament. Almost a thousand years before the birth of Jesus Christ. Excuse me. We have an issue with the relevance of the Old Testament and the New Testament. I think probably just dispelled that right here in this single verse. This is talking about discipleship, brothers and sisters. Hear with your spiritual ear and read these words with spiritual eyesight. Give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Share his word. Be about the Father's business. This is exactly what's being talked about here in Psalm 105 by David writing his poem to honor God. Sing unto him, sing psalms unto him, talk ye of all his wondrous works. Excuse me, Paul wrote about this. Worship, praise the Lord, rejoice, and again I say rejoice. Old Testament, New Testament, relevant? Mm, I think I'm putting a thread from the Old Testament to the New Testament. No, I don't think. I know I am. Glory ye in his holy name. Let the heart of them rejoice that seek the Lord. There you go. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I say rejoice. Seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face every morn. So when you get up, you pray for that. And Paul writes about this. Jesus was telling his disciples about it. And then you're going to have those that say that the Old Testament's not relevant to the New Testament. And when Jesus came, it's different now. No, what? Those, are, those that are saying that are doing so without spiritual clarity. And there's a problem there. And then we're going to ha- go back here to uh, Second Corinthians, and this is this is a um, a threading of that needle, needle and thread coming back through and going into that portion. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Acacia. Grace be to you, and peace from God our Father, and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, and the God of all comfort who comfort us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. I shared that with you. I receive a blessing by being able to do and share and bless you with the word of God as a conduit. And this treasure flows through me out of his treasury to share with you all over there. That comes off on me. That blessing I share comes off. I mean, I get blessed, and I love it when people come to me and I'm able to share the word during the course of my day and my work. I'm blessed by that. It's awesome. Uh, I'm sorry, I can't carry it. So. 2 Corinthians 1 4, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring. Of the same suffering which we also suffer, on whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the suffering, so shall ye also be of the consolation. What Paul is trying to tell the church at Corinth is explaining that the troubles, trials, and tribulations that we go through are for our strength our endurance to help and grow our faith. And brothers and sisters, it's difficult at times to remember that. But that's what it's about. And that's what Paul is explaining to them. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. Be encouraged. And don't be afraid or dismayed because God, he's with us all the time. He promises to be with us at all time through all things. Be blessed. Have a good day.